0: this episode of the OrthoBullets podcast, will go over the topic of enchondral bone formation from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. Enchondral bone formation occurs in longitudinal physeal growth, embryonic long bone formation, and non-rigid fracture healing, otherwise known as secondary healing, and we'll go into all of these in more detail. With respect to cell biology, enchondral bone formation occurs with a cartilage model, Specifically, chondrocytes produce cartilage, which is absorbed by osteoclasts. Osteoblasts then lay down bone on the cartilaginous framework, where bone replaces cartilage. Cartilage is not converted to bone. Enchondral bone formation forms primary trabecular bone. Bone deposition occurs on the metaphyseal side, which is important to remember. And type 10 collagen is associated with enchondral ossification, which is also important to remember. As far as molecular biology, chondrocytes play a critical role in enchondral bone formation throughout the formation of the cartilage intermediate. Transcription factors involved in regulation of chondrocytes include SOX9 and PTHRP, which are important to remember. SOX9 is considered a major regulator of chondrogenesis, and it regulates several cartilage-specific genes during enchondral ossification, including collagen types 2, 4, 11, and agrican. PTHRP delays differentiation of chondrocytes in the zone of hypertrophy. With respect to biomechanics, as far as variables that affect growth across the physis, remember the Hooter-Volkman law, which in the context of growth across the physis states that compression across the growth plate slows longitudinal growth, and tension accelerates longitudinal growth. As far as anatomy, The perichondrial artery is the major blood supply and subsequently the major source of nutrition to the physis. Now let's talk about the longitudinal physio growth as far as the different zones of the physio growth plate. So the physio growth plate contains the reserve zone, the proliferative zone, the hypertrophic zone, as well as the primary and secondary spongiosa which are in the metaphysis. In the reserve zone, cells store lipids, glycogen, and proteoglycan aggregates for later growth, as well as matrix production. The reserve zone is also characterized by low oxygen tension. Important reserve zone abnormalities to remember include Gaucher's disease, diastrophic dysplasia, NICE dysplasia, and pseudoachondroplasia. In the proliferative zone, there is proliferation of chondrocytes with longitudinal growth and stacking of chondrocytes. The proliferative zone has the highest rate of extracellular matrix production, and increased oxygen tension in the surroundings of the proliferative zone inhibits calcification. Important proliferative zone abnormalities to remember include achondroplasia, gigantism, and multiple hereditary exostosis. The hypertrophic zone is the zone of chondrocyte maturation, chondrocyte hypertrophy, and chondrocyte calcification. Three phases occur in the hypertrophic zone the maturation zone, the degenerative zone, and the provisional calcification zone. In the maturation zone, there is preparation of the matrix for calcification and chondrocyte growth. In the degenerative zone, there is further preparation of the matrix for calcification and further chondrocyte growth in size, roughly five times the growth in fact. In the provisional calcification zone, chondrocyte death allows calcium release, which allows calcification of the matrix. In the hypertrophic zone, chondrocyte maturation is regulated by local growth factors like parathyroid-related peptides, and expression is regulated by the Indian hedgehog gene. Type 10 collagen produced by hypertrophic chondrocytes is important for mineralization in the hypertrophic zone. Important hypertrophic zone abnormalities to remember include skiffy, but not renal skiffies, rickets, which occurs in the provisional calcification zone specifically, enchondromas, mucopolysaccharide disease, acromegaly, spondyloepiphyseal dysplasia, multiple epiphyseal dysplasia, NIST syndrome, and pseudoachondroplasia. And it's important to remember that fractures most commonly occur through the zone of provisional calcification, specifically Salter Harris I fractures. Moving on to the primary spongiosa of the metaphysis, This zone is characterized by vascular invasion and resorption of the transverse septa. Osteoblasts align on cartilage bars, which are produced by ficeal expansion. Primary spongiosa are mineralized to form woven bone, and then it remodels to become secondary spongiosa, which we'll talk about in a second. Important primary spongiosa abnormalities to remember include metaphyseal corner fractures in child abuse and scurvy. So now to round out the physio growth plate, we'll talk about the secondary spongiosa in the metaphysis. This zone is characterized by internal remodeling, which involves removal of cartilage bars and replacement of woven bone with lamellar bone. External remodeling, otherwise known as funnelization, also takes place in the secondary spongiosa. Important secondary spongiosa abnormalities to remember include renal skiffy. Now let's move out to the physis periphery and talk about two important regions of the physis periphery, and those are the groove of Ranvier and the perichondral fibrous ring of Lacroix. So with respect to the groove of Ranvier, during the first year of life, this zone spreads over the adjacent metaphysis to form a fibrous circumferential ring bridging from the epiphysis to the diaphysis. This ring increases the mechanical strength of the physis and is responsible for appositional bone growth. And this ring basically supplies chondrocytes to the periphery. Osteochondromas are typically found in this zone. As far as the perichondrial fibrous ring of LaCroix, this is basically a dense fibrous tissue that is the primary limiting membrane that anchors and supports the physis through peripheral stability. Now let's talk a little bit about embryonic long bone formation. And the quick overview of this process is that it allows for growth in width as well as length and it is formed from mesenchymal onlaga around the 6th week in utero. Steps of formation include vascularization, then the primary ossification centers form, then the cartilage model forms, then the marrow forms, and finally the secondary ossification centers form. In the vascularization step, vascular buds invade the mesenchymal model. Then, at roughly 8 weeks, the primary ossification centers form when the osteoprogenitor cells migrate through vascular buds and differentiate into osteoblasts, forming the primary ossification centers. As far as the cartilage model formation, this grows through appositional, or width, and interstitial, or length, growth. As far as marrow formation, the marrow is formed by resorption of the central portion of the cartilage anlage by myeloid precursor cells that migrate in through the vascular buds. Finally, secondary ossification centers form by developing at the bone ends and that leads to the epiphyseal ossification center, otherwise known as the growth plate. Lastly, let's quickly talk about non-rigid fracture healing. And the quick overview is that this mechanism of bone formation is similar to fysial and chondral ossification. With respect to the relevant cell biology, Soft callus is the cartilage intermediate, and then bone replaces callus via the same chondrocyte proliferation, chondrocyte hypertrophy, and finally, chondrocyte calcification. Examples of non-rigid fracture healing include casting as well as bracing and intramedullary nailing, which allows for motion at the fracture site, which promotes bone formation both directly through intramembranous ossification and through a cartilage intermediate, as is the case in endochondral ossification. That's all for this review about enchondral bone formation. Hopefully that was helpful. Look out for questions related to this topic on this weekend's question session, and hopefully this episode will have prepared you for that review. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on iTunes.